This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair's too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This episode is brought to you by GroCo Postnatal Rehab. GroCo was founded in 2018 by chiropractor Dr. Ali Kane when she was 32 weeks pregnant with her first baby. She wanted to create a rehab program that supported women through the physical, mental, and emotional challenges of motherhood. The GroCo methodology is aimed at preventing, reducing, and resolving symptoms women have been made to think are an inevitable consequence of childbirth. Classes stream 24-7, so you're able to do them whenever it works best for you. There's also a weekly live class with a GroCo doctor and also a monthly master class. The goals of GroCo are to be accessible to women, be supportive, but also provide them with a high quality rehab program. Everything is focused on your core and your pelvic floor, which you guys know that I love. It's important to note that this is not your typical workout class. GroCo classes are very focused on your pelvic floor and your core muscles that have been affected by carrying a child and by giving birth. Follow along at groco.rehab on Instagram, that's at G-R-O-W-C-O dot rehab to learn everything you need to know about your body after baby. She has so much valuable information on her Instagram account that you will not regret following. I know for myself, I was totally fine postpartum until Milo was about 18 months and then I started to get really bad lower back pain. And sometimes when I would sneeze or dance too hard, I would leak. And that was not cool. So I went and saw Allie. I saw a pelvic floor physio and they put me on a program and I started doing the GroCo classes. And literally within a few days of doing the breath work that they teach you in GroCo, my lower back pain was totally gone. You will learn so much about your body and how to use those muscles in ways that you didn't know that you could. Check out the episode notes for more information. Your pelvic floor will thank you. 
All right, it is the Tuesday episode, which means it is a solo episode. And last week I asked you guys for some topics and I got a ton of responses. So I'm going to try and touch on a few today. Some topics are more geared towards you know, a professional in that specific area. I mean, I could give my opinion on it, but it wouldn't be like as valuable as it would be with a professional. So I'm not going to touch those, but I'm going to save them so that I know to find a professional in the area to have a conversation about those topics. Um, So yeah, let's get into it. I was at Ikea all day today, so... I'm tired. It always takes like Ikea is not just like you go there and pick up a couple things. It always takes so long and the drive there is long and it's it's just a whole day thing. So I have like 45 minutes to record this before I leave to go pick up Milo. So let's do it. Just quickly, someone says, how do you pronounce your last name? So she says, in my head, it's the same pronunciation as your first name. So my last name is not Rena, which, you know, my name on Instagram is Renee Rena. Rena is my middle name. My last name is actually Greno, which is G-R-E-N-O-N. So yeah, that's my middle name and it's Rena. That's my mamere's name. I think some people think my name is the mom room. Um, but that's also not my name. It's Renee, Rena, Greno. Anyways, moving on. Somebody asks about tantrums in public. There was a child in Ikea today that was not happy. I felt so bad for his parents. Now that I think about it, he seemed about Milo's age and he wasn't wearing a mask, which is interesting. Um, because that's my worry right now is that we can't get a mask on Milo to take him places. But yeah, we'll see how that goes. Maybe I should just try and take him and see what happens. I don't know. But we, because of COVID, we have not taken him anywhere where he has the opportunity to have a tantrum in a public place. So I honestly have no idea how I would react or what I should do because it hasn't happened yet. So I haven't looked into how to handle that. I feel like I would just leave, honestly. Uh, if I couldn't get him to stop, like I carry around treats all the time, like fruit snacks or granola bars. But yeah, I have no idea because we don't go out in public anymore, sadly. Somebody asks how often I go grocery shopping and what I buy as a mom who hates cooking. So the regulars that we buy are berries, peppers, because Milo likes raw red peppers, He likes berries. We always have bananas. We always have granola. We always have yogurt. We always have a cereal. Usually it's Cheerios. We always have oat milk because that's what I make his smoothies with or cashew milk, almond milk. We always have a thing of spinach. Sometimes we use the whole thing. Sometimes we barely touch it, but it's like I need to have it in the fridge in case I want to make a smoothie or use it. Um, We always make sure that we have eggs, all the stuff to make the pancakes that I like. So I like to have chia seeds, hemp hearts, but those things last for a while. So we don't really buy them all the time. Um, Gluten-free oats. What else do we always have? We always have cheese. We always have chips because we like to have chips at night. We always have Milo's granolas and cookies some pouches on hand, although he doesn't really eat those very much anymore. I like to try and have carrots and broccoli because it's quick. If we want to make rice and pick up salmon for that day, then I can make steamed carrots and broccoli. Also try and have a loaf of bread 
because, you know, in a pinch, I'll make Milo a peanut butter and Nutella sandwich, but I tell him that it's chocolate. Well, like basically Nutella is chocolate, but I like to have that in case he's really not eating dinner. Um, Milo really likes kielbasa, so sometimes I'll buy the extra lean kielbasa so that, again, if he's not into dinner, then we can get him some kielbasa and cheese and make him like a little snack plate. We always have goldfish, and usually we have some kind of sweet like cookies or like a banana loaf or something um, on the counter. Sometimes we'll plan our meals a couple days ahead so we have the stuff on hand to make those dinners. But honestly, some weeks we just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and my husband will pick something up or I'll pick up something um, when I go get Milo from daycare. So it really depends. But we go to the grocery store quite a bit because we like to have certain things that go bad, like the berries and whatnot, and we go through them really quickly. So we're constantly getting new ones. So we go to the grocery store a lot, but not like we'd never really do big loads. I would say we do our biggest load of groceries on Sundays, and then we might stop at the store like one or two times for the rest of the week just to pick up a few things to make dinner that night. So yeah, that's that was a long chat about grocery shopping. And full disclosure, we eat out a lot. Like we pick up dinners from restaurants, we pick up sushi, we pick up, you know, pizza. Like we eat out a lot and we probably spend a lot of money on eating out. But that's just our life right now. And yeah, I try not to feel bad about it. Somebody left the comment saying disliking or resenting motherhood. This is a little bit of a deeper topic, but it's interesting because I just saw a TikTok where someone was talking about loving their children, but hating parenting. And I can kind of relate to that. Like certain parts of parenting are for me and I enjoy it and certain parts are not for me and I really don't enjoy it. Um, It also made me think of a quote that I shared a little while ago from Amy Schumer and I will find it one second. Okay, I found it. It was, she said it in the documentary. I think it's on Crave, but I'll post about this again because I think everyone should watch it. And so in the documentary, she said, I don't resent being pregnant. I resent everyone who hasn't been honest. I resent the culture. And basically what she was saying was her pregnancy was so, so, so difficult. And by culture she was speaking to i guess the culture of motherhood right now is like everything is perfect i'm happy all the time hashtag blessed instead of being truthful and honest about how difficult it is and you know how difficult pregnancy can be and it's not all these beautiful maternity photos So I loved that quote so much and I feel like what I do on social media and in the podcast is try and change that culture for it to be more truthful. I always say to change the narrative of what it means to be a mom. So to be truthful, to change that culture. So it's not resenting my situation and motherhood in particular, it's resenting how people before me have portrayed it or just the culture of people not being honest or being afraid to be honest because then they're going to be judged and people are going to think that they hate being a mom and they dislike their kids. And, you know, let's just be honest. And it's fucking hard sometimes. 
And do I often think about my days where I lived in Ottawa in a condo by myself? My condo was always spick and span, super clean. I, you know, went to yoga whenever I wanted to, went for dinner with friends, went and had a drink, like studied all night because I knew I could sleep in the next day. Like who wouldn't miss that kind of lifestyle once you have kids? If I was still living that lifestyle, I would want to have a kid and I would you know, be sad that I didn't have the life that I have now. And now that I have this life, of course, I look back and think, wow, like that was amazing. I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. It's kind of like the grass is always greener on the other side and you want what you don't have in that moment. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too, because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the Biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. 
Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Somebody asked about setting boundaries with grandparents and I get this question quite a lot, like relationships with in-laws and it literally, like it's a two-way street. There's your in-laws who are whatever kind of person that they are, but then there's also you and I think a lot of the times we teach people how they can treat us and what they can do to us or how they can speak to us or whatever it might be. And I think it's it can be really uncomfortable to set boundaries and to kind of stand up for yourself in certain situations. But once you do it a few times, you're going to find that you don't have to do it anymore. And I'm the type of person that like I'm going to do what I want and I don't really take what other people say. Like I will take it and I will listen to it, but I'm not, it's not going to change how I want to do things. Um, and that's part of being confident in your decisions. So I remember when Milo was a baby, every time he would cry, I would go and take him. You know, if someone else was holding him, I would go and get, get him from them. Uh, if he was in his little swing, I would go and get him. And I remember my mother-in-law saying like, you can't go and pick him up every time he cries. And I said, uh, yeah, I can. And that's what I'm going to do. And I remember having a brief conversation about that. And then it was the end of that. You know, it's like, oh, okay, no, this is what I'm doing. And end of story. Um, it might not be what you did when you had a baby and that's totally fine. I'm not saying one way is better than the other, but this is what I want to do and what I feel comfortable doing. And then at the same time, it's you know, when you say something like that to the other person, how are they going to respond? That is going to vary from person to from person to person. So, you know, she will take what I'm saying and, you know, respect it, whereas other people might not. And maybe they give you a hard time. Maybe it creates some kind of conflict. But at the end of the day, I think you would feel better knowing that you're standing up for yourself and you are doing what you think is best for your family. I always think about the part in Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, where she talks about how her family was, I don't remember it now, but like kind of like on an island and she had to protect them. And so for a while, she was telling her mother, like, if you're not fully accepting of Abby and I's relationship, like you cannot come into the house because I don't want that energy around the children. And obviously that's an extremely difficult thing to say to your own mother, but she did and she, you know, everything ended up working out in the end. But yeah, it's like you need to stand up for what you want to do and what you want to happen with your own children. And I know it's easy to say that. And I think, you know, some grandparents will respond very poorly uh, so it's difficult because you don't want to, you know, hurt that relationship in any kind of long-term way, which is so annoying because, you know, it shouldn't even come down to that. People should just respect your boundaries and what your wishes are. But I realize that that's not the case with everybody, unfortunately. Somebody asked how I was as a child and whether Milo 
like has some of those characteristics. Definitely. Uh, we were hoping that he would take after my husband because my husband was an angel child and he just wanted to help people and he was super calm and super reserved, kind of like he is today. Um, so I was looking forward to that, but Milo definitely has some of my characteristics. I was a wild child. Um, I've shared videos of me when I was little on Instagram before. Maybe I'll repost them this week. Like just a wild person. And like my mom said, I never wanted to go to sleep. Milo's a pretty good sleeper, I must say, but I never wanted to sleep. Sometimes my mom would put me in my room to nap and she would leave me and I would throw major tantrums and take absolutely everything out of all my drawers, all of my closet and throw it all over the room until I literally passed out. And then she would come, put me into bed, like tuck me in and put everything back in the drawers and in the closet while I slept in bed. Like I was crazy. When they would bring me to the mall, like I would tell old ladies that their earrings didn't match their shirt. I would tell people that I was going to get my fucking haircut. My brother and some of my cousins were older than me when we were little and I was the young one at the time. And my mom told me that they used to always try and run away from me because I was so bossy and annoying. (laughs) If there was a camera, like I was always dancing or doing something in front of the camera and Milo definitely has that. He loves watching himself on videos. He loves like when I'm recording him, he's turning into a little ham and you can tell that he's super outgoing and he's starting to be a little comedian. Like he thinks he's funny and it's super cute. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Oh yes, somebody asked about an update on potty training, which I wanted to give because what we found, Milo was doing really well. And then at the beginning of March, he switched from the toddler room at daycare to the preschool room. And when that transition happened, we found that he was having more accidents at home but less accidents at school. And I think it's because there's more kids in the preschool room and I think they're just regularly going to the bathroom. So he's been pretty good um, at school. You see on the app where they update everything that he's doing, it's like peed on the potty, peed on the potty. The odd time he'll have an accident and that's fine and to be expected, I think. But we did find when he moved up to the preschool room that he started to not want to go on his potty or on the toilet at home. The odd time he'll just do it, like he'll wake up and want to go, but it's been a fight to get him to sit on the potty to go pee. And something that I did when I was little was I constantly held my pee. My husband calls it voiding. I think that's like the technical term for it. So much so that my mom would have to bring me to the doctors and they would fill me with like fluids and try and get me to pee. Um, I still kind of do that as an adult. Like I get so busy that I don't want to take the time to go pee. And that's exactly how Milo is. He wants to play and play. And if you ask like 
you know, you can tell that he has to go to the bathroom and he'll just say, no, no, no. Um, So sometimes we say, like, let's go sit on your potty and then we can go get a treat. Like he has a little box with his snacks um, in it, like fruit snacks, granolas, little like cookies. And so we'll say, let's go on the potty and then you can pick out a treat um, so that it's not like a bribe because we're not saying the word if. Um, so yeah, we do that and that is successful usually, but he has been having more accidents at home and not wanting to go to the potty. So it's been a little bit of a regression recently, but we're at first I was super stressed out about it, but I'm, I'm just kind of going with the flow now and not stressing about it because I think, you know, eventually it's all going to work out and he still knows that he should be going on the potty and he gets upset when he has accidents. So we're just continuing to work on it. And when he does have an accident, we're super nonchalant about it and we don't get upset. And we just say like, you know, next time we're going to go on the potty and don't worry about it. Like we're going to clean this up. And yeah, so that's kind of where we're at with potty training right now. He, the odd time he will have a pee in his pull up when we get him up in the morning, but usually his pull up is completely dry. And then we get him to sit on the potty uh, as soon as we come downstairs. And it just furthers my point that I said earlier in that potty training is not like a linear progression. It's not like, you know, my original thinking was, okay, day one is going to be the worst day of potty training. And then from there on, it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And it's totally not like that. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. So right now we're in a little bit of a down at home, at school. He's doing great. So we will see what happens. Many times though, I will say he has called for us in his room, like at nighttime, it could be 11 p.m. or something. He calls for us and when we go up, he has said a few times that he has to go to the potty and we take him there and he actually does go, which I thought was amazing. Like, wow. So that's kind of cool. I have nothing else to say about that. I just thought that was cool. Somebody said, struggling with the acceptance that my only responsibility is caring for the baby when I'm on leave. So I'm assuming maternity leave, which I always talk about this because whenever people ask me what the hardest part of motherhood is, I always say it was that transition from being like 100% focused on myself and doing my PhD stuff to then giving birth to Milo and all of that went away. And it's like he was now my main focus for 12 months. And the biggest advice I have for that is to just mentally put yourself in a spot where you understand that that is literally all you have to do and focus on. And I think I mentally prepared myself for maternity leave and I gave myself those 12 months to only focus on Milo and, you know, read about baby things and research different products and like that was my only focus. Hanging out with friends who had babies, which now in COVID, this really sucks, Um, you know, and it must be really lonely because I think that's like I tried to always get out of the house. Um, so yeah, definitely difficult now, but hopefully that is turning around soon. But yeah, I definitely mentally prepared for those 12 months of maternity leave and just 
accepted that my whole focus was going to be Milo and me recovering and that was it. And I think accepting that makes it a lot easier. But don't get me wrong, as soon as he went to daycare and those 12 months were over, it was like, okay, let's go. I have to do 100 million things and like back to, you know, setting goals for myself and doing things for myself and focusing on my own work, which was really nice. So now I kind of like that I have the balance between weekends and evenings focusing on Milo and then I have my days to do all the things that I want to accomplish. Somebody said how to build confidence and I'm assuming that is regarding motherhood and I honestly think that you need to understand why you're making certain decisions for your child and for your family and understanding that just because someone else is doing something, it doesn't mean that that is what's best for you guys. Um, Like we tried baby led weaning, we tried, you know, co-sleeping, Milo refuses to sleep with us, I don't know why, unless he's sick. Um, But yeah, like we're all so different, we all have different children, like we are all different, our family situations are different, our households are different, our jobs are different. So it's really understanding why you're doing what you're doing and not letting what other people are doing or what people are saying is best or worst worst, worst, um, affect you and to just be confident in what you chose and why you chose it and also what your priorities are because that is also going to affect what decisions we make and your priorities are going to be different from somebody else's priorities. Like this is just, it's funny because this is so natural and an accepted thing that we all do different things. We have different interests outside of motherhood, but then when it comes to motherhood, it's like we should all be exactly the same person and doing the exact same things with our children, which like our children are not robots. They're completely different people. It's just not realistic at all. Someone said, being a parent to a child with autism, and while I cannot speak to that Myself, the episode on Friday is with Aaron Wright, um, and he wrote a book about his experience with his family and his daughter being diagnosed with autism, and it's such a great episode, so definitely tune in on Friday to that. Someone else said postpartum rage, and I just recorded with Jen Reddish an episode all about that, so stay tuned for that as well. Somebody said attachment, and I don't know if they mean like the parent-child attachment relationship or if they mean romantic attachment, but the April Mom Room Book Club book is Love Sense by Sue Johnson, and it is all about romantic attachment, and it is great. It is so good. Highly recommend. I will link it in my stories. Um, Such a good book. Uh, With regard to parent-child attachment, I'm not an expert on that. Like, I know a fair bit about it, but probably not in the way that you want to hear about it. But I'm trying to get a professional, like someone that works in that area, on the podcast to talk specifically about parent-child attachment because it is fascinating and I guarantee it will change how you look like, or how you interact with your child. And when you see other parents interacting with their children, you're going to be like, oh, wow. Like, you're just going to pick up on so many things. So hopefully we can get that episode out soon. 
Somebody asked, toddlers that don't eat, how do you deal with it? So this is Milo right now. He's not interested in almost anything that we give him, um, which it, it's exhausting because if you make dinner, they refuse that dinner. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, do you want this? Like, do you want mac and cheese? Do you want pizza? And he'll be like, yeah. And then you go spend 15 minutes making that for him. And then he refuses that once you give it to him as well. So it's like, at what point do you just kind of give him things that you know he's going to eat? I often will give him a smoothie if he hasn't been eating well for like a couple days. And the thing is, he eats really well at daycare. So it kind of lessens my concern about it because I know he's eating well all day at school. Um, so dinner becomes less of a big deal for me. But I just try and get something in his tummy, whether it's like cheese and crackers or um, like a yogurt, applesauce, like some raw veggies. I just kind of give him little snacky things so that he's eating uh, something. And then if I want to give him some nutrition, I always make him a smoothie with the oat milk and banana and frozen, you know, berries. Um, and the baby latte powder, which he uses the kiddo latte powder now. But yeah, so just to try and get nutrients in him. And sometimes I'll make him the pancakes for dinner because they're super packed with nutrients. Um, and of course, yeah, they're covered with maple syrup, but that's besides the point. It's really difficult and I try not to let it ruin my evening. So sometimes it's not worth the battle and I just want him to have something in his tummy. Other times I'll try harder and, you know, make him a few different things. But it's just, you know, I feel like this is just a temporary stage and I try not to let it ruin my vibe for the evening. And yeah, I've said this before, but when it comes to his nutrition, I think of it in like a week or, you know, a couple weeks as opposed to what is he eating in this exact meal or what has he eaten exactly today? Because that's not a fair, you know, representation of what his diet and nutrition intake is. So I always look at it, you know, over the course of a week or a month as opposed to, oh my God, he's eating a Nutella sandwich for dinner. Like big whoop, like I eat you know, things like that too for dinner sometimes. So I'm still alive. So yeah. All right. We are at 26 minutes and I have to leave to go get my little honey at school. I'm going to bring fruit snacks and a granola with me so that he will get in his car seat. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Friday's episode is with Aaron Wright, as I said. So definitely tune into that one. But yeah, uh, if you haven't already, please go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. And I hope your children and you sleep tonight. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.